the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom, how you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon... They will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current-day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to americanschismbook.com. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. For a while, so I'll be staying here inside. It's too dangerous out in the world. I'll see you on the other side. But when I'm in my quarantine, in my little place to hide, my heart is aching and I'm missing you. I'll see you on the other side. I will find you 
can I promise this? See you on the other side. See you on the other side. See you on the other side. And I'll meet you with arms open wide. See you on the other side. See you on the other side. See you on the other side. And welcome back everybody as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner program. Um, and uh, welcome to live radio, folks, because we have to make a little change here on the fly, as it were. Um, was planning to talk with Dr. Tracy Weeks from Instructure, and uh, we heard that song from Jeff Krubes as a way. I was, I was stalling a little bit, folks, to uh, see if we'd have time to connect with uh, Tracy, but not able to. We were going to talk about the Delta variant and back to school, but uh, instead we'll shift gears and talk with uh, Eric Groves from Alignable. He and I had a conversation earlier this week that hasn't aired yet, so we'll have that in its place. Uh, Eric uh, drops by from time to time to talk about various studies they've done, and they've talked to small businesses about their fears about um, maybe new school closings. And uh, so anyway, that's, uh, that's up next, Eric Groves from uh, Alignable. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, small businesses and government shutdowns all kind of mashed up together courtesy of a uh, recent uh, State of Small Business report um, in August from Alignable. And we have the uh, founder and CEO of Alignable joining me by phone, Eric Groves. Eric, welcome to the show. Welcome back, I should say. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for inviting me back. It's always a pleasure. Um, Let's talk about this a little bit. We, we, We shut everything down. We started talking about a you know getting back to normal, and then it was there was going to be a new normal, and then we started pulling out of the of the pandemic. Things started opening back up again, and then boom, the Delta variant comes along, and now they're they're starting to pick up other variants around the planet. And where are we? What's what's going on with uh, with small businesses? And 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 I've asked you this before, and I'll ask you this again because people are really confused by what constitutes a small business. It isn't necessarily a family business or a mom and pop shop. Absolutely. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me back. You know, when we think about small businesses. Um, there's, you know, the definition that uh, the federal government uses, which is, you know, any organization that has less than 500 employees. But if you break that down um, to a much more granular level and think about your Main Street, right, and you look at the first floor and the second floor of Main Street, it's made up of uh, a fabulous ecosystem of businesses that include everything from retail to restaurants, salons, you know, the B2C type businesses um, that we all uh, love to go frequent uh, 
down on Main Street. But then there's also an, an entire ecosystem that surrounds uh, those businesses that, you know, provide services, whether it's a supplier uh, to those businesses, a, you know, website development firm, a lawyer's office, accountant's office, uh, even doctors and, and, you know, and dentists and chiropractors, they all make up this piece of our economy that represents about 50% of the overall GDP. So it's a, you know, fairly a significant segment. Um, but because, you know, we think of it as, oh, it's small business, we don't necessarily think of it as how big it is and the impact that it has on all of us and our economy. And, you know, these folks have really been struggling um, since March of 2020. Uh, many of these industries are uh, engaging in personal interaction, right? So those are the businesses on Main Street, like the restaurants, uh, the the folks that were doing weddings, the retail salons, the beauty salons, the gyms, um, where there is a lot of person-to-person interaction just in the general course of doing business. And those businesses were hit most hard um, uh, our hardest in terms of the impact of COVID. And what we saw was, like you said, there was sort of this an immediate shutdown in uh, the spring and summer of 2020, um, and then the gradual reopening. And what we started to see at the beginning of this year was some confidence starting to build back up that, you know, in our latest report, we saw 76% of all businesses being reopened completely. And then the next question was really, how are customers going to come back? Because of this person-to-person interaction, you know, customers have to feel safe. Um, and employees have to feel safe who are dealing with customers. And so there was a, you know, a, a slow sort of nice building of this comfort in getting back to Main Street. And, um, you know, while these businesses still struggled because um, they're trying to rebuild their cash flow, um, you know, they started to feel other pressures, uh, including inflation, where the costs of the, uh, the inventory that they were buying was going up if they could even get their hands on inventory and supplies, and then the labor shortage. So it's just been this compounding of challenges thrown at small business owners. And, you know, they rally to the, to the challenge, but, you know, they're, they're getting pretty exhausted because each time they seem to make a step forward, we have a step backwards. And this most recent step backwards is really with the Delta variant and its sort of growth across the country and what's next after that. And what we saw is, you know, 76% of small businesses in this latest survey are concerned about the impact that Delta was going to have on their ability to actually recover. Um, And that's really concerning, especially at this time of year, because this is a time of year where a lot of these businesses are thinking about I have to build up inventory. I have to get ready for the fourth quarter where a lot of them generate significant sales. And, you know, when they're in a state of trying to just figure out, um, you know, what's going to, you know, is my business going to be open in the fourth quarter? Um, It weighs heavily on whether they should go and then they should try and, you know, pay these premium prices to get inventory into their stores. Um, and that's the, the real challenge that we're facing today. Um, Eric, just, just so we can put some of what we're going to be talking about in context, um, what is Alignable.com and, and what's its uh, uh, role and in, in interest in, in all this and in, in studying what uh, 
businesses sure. are experiencing. Yeah, so so Alignable is a, it's a social network platform um, that allows small business owners to connect, build relationships, and collaborate. And the, the top way that businesses generate new customers is through word-of-mouth referrals, and that takes having a network. And so we're basically the network of these small businesses for some 7 million small businesses across the U.S. and Canada. And so, you know, we've got every type of industry, every type of business you can imagine. Um, and, you know, it includes solopreneurs all the way up to, you know, large chains um, like State Farm um, or Keller Williams that have, you know, literally uh, tens of thousands of, of their members on our platform interacting with business owners in their community. So it's a pretty vibrant and large ecosystem. And so back in March of 2020, we started capturing the data from these folks uh, to really understand how COVID impacted their particular industries and, you know, how things like the PPP funding actually impacted, who got the benefit of that impact and who was left sort of behind in the process. More about the August State of Small Business Report from Alignable.com CEO and founder Eric Groves, straight ahead. Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors.
this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More about the August State of Small Business Report from Alignable.com CEO and founder, Eric Groves, straight ahead. How do you gather that data? Is it, uh, you know, um, do you conduct a survey? Exactly. Yeah, every month we conduct a survey, uh, typically getting, um, you know, five to 10,000 responses a month. Uh, to date, we've collected almost 650,000 uh, responses since March of 2020. Now, you you mentioned a number uh, a moment ago, Eric, uh, 76% of small businesses uh, reporting that they're, you know, pretty much back to uh, – um, full capacity, fully yeah. yeah, fully fully yep. reopened was the phrase. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. But that makes me wonder what constitutes the twenty four percent. Are those businesses we're not ever going to see again? Are they businesses that just haven't been able to reopen yet? Um, so the vast majority of those folks, a little over twenty percent, are businesses that are open but at a um, lesser extent than full. Right. So either they're doing delivery or they they've scaled back their operations, but they found a way to open, Um, you know, in a way of thinking of that maybe, you know, some uh, somebody who does weddings as a wedding venue. Right. They may be partially reopened and doing very small events, but they're not doing the, the 300 person big event that they used to be doing. I see the um now, what happens to, you know, we've heard a lot about businesses that have closed, just, mm-hmm. you know, just completely went under during the time they were shut down. Um, do you have any sense for for what percentage of small businesses that accounts for? And is it somewhat different than the normal failure rate of, of small businesses, which we know is fairly high? Yeah, so it's it's one of those statistics that's very hard to really accurately judge because when a business goes out of business, they don't typically announce it. You know, they just sort of shut down and and um, and you know either go off and try and find a job somewhere or um, you know are you know flipping into going to work for someone. It, it's tough to tell. Um, what we do know is that, you know, when we ask business owners, hey, when you look down Main Street, what are you seeing? And the reaction that we got was, you know, and this was back in the, um, the winter time frame, you know, there was a significant increase over the norm in terms of businesses that on their, in Main Street USA or Canada that were not reopening. Um, and... Uh, you know, our survey data really is focused on the ones that are still in business, although we do capture a little bit of the businesses that say they're permanently closed. Um, and that's, you know, one, two, three percent of the overall survey base. So it's not all that significant. There are some data places where you can gather that, um, particularly in the, um, from the tax folks, as well as um, there's a couple of companies, um, Gusto in, in particular, that tracks actual revenue coming in. Um, but in our case, it's very hard for us to judge. Well, I, I, I do want to inject here um, that 
Alignable uh, is as a website, alignable.com. And I, I wanted to ask Eric if this uh, information is only available to members or if uh, the general public, if they, they have an interest in what some of these numbers are, can they access that uh, pretty openly? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you come to um, the, uh, if you just Google the Alignable Research Center, um, you'll see uh, all of our data that we've collected um, and uh, published. And um, they, you know, if you're looking for a link for that, I can send you a link that you can share with your members. But you know, this is information that we share broadly with everybody who's interested. Uh, you know, a lot of this data flows into. Um, uh, various people in the legislature to try and help them make informed decisions about policy. But uh, now all this information is public, and we welcome any feedback and any contributions to it. The August uh, report that you put out reflects mm-hmm. uh, a national average of 59% of small businesses reporting an August labor shortage, which reflects an uptick of about 9%. Um, I'm not sure, an uptick from the previous month or the right. year yep. before is from the previous month. Previous month. Yep. But that can be a little deceiving, and that's why I wanted to ask if people could have access to these numbers, because... You know, while the national average is 59%, um, retailers are reporting a 50% shortage for yep. labor in August. But restaurants are up around 80%. So there's there's a per- pretty wide range there depending on what industry. Absolutely. You know, one of the places we see that a lot is we... Um, do a survey on the percentage of businesses that can pay rent. Uh, and we look at that by industry. And, um, you know, restaurants, um, 45% of restaurants this past month said that they were not able to fully pay their August rent, um, whereas retail was at 36%. This was beauty salons. Uh, gyms was at 33%. So it's, you know, each industry is, has its own set of challenges. And then, you know, we further look at those challenges on the, on the, at a state by state level. Um, and it's all over the map um, in terms of the, you know, which, which industries are recovering the fastest. The, the one thing that we did see that was um, fairly remarkable was, a massive increase in the, the concern over government reclosures uh, that um, sort of had dri- driven itself way down um, to, uh, let me see what the actual percentage was, but um, it, it had gotten down into the 20% or lower range, and all of a sudden it jumped up to over 45% of business owners saying that that's their number one concern. And, and that's what's um, most concerning to us is just, is just the businesses not knowing. I just feel, you know, I, I, when they're not in control of their own destiny, um, that's when you uh, really see businesses struggling. And with the with the Delta variant, the business owners are really at odds trying to figure out, you know, what does this mean for me for the rest of the year? And the the idea that uh, labor shortage is is up a little bit in August um, 
you know, I'm curious about that. I saw a number just recently, Eric, and I haven't really vetted it or, or fact-checked it, but essentially it said there were roughly 10 million jobs out there and about 8 million people unemployed. Um, mm-hmm. is, is, that, is that at all uh, close to the mark? And what's the, what's the disparity? Why can't we get these kids together? Um, it's, it's a great question. You know, it's a, there are a lot of business owners that would, would, would love the, the answer to that. You know, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of factors that are going into why people are not coming back to the hourly jobs that they were doing before. Um, you know, I think some of it has to do with just the, you know, taking care of kids, um, and schools not being reopened. And now there's this, you know, sort of uh, flood of schools getting back, you know, in session and going um, full bore. But, you know, how is Delta going to impact that? Is it going to be, you know, are these schools going to be open for two months and then shut back down and go virtual? Um, And then what does that mean to that whole sector of the labor uh, supply? So, you know, unfortunately, restaurants in particular are having a very challenging time uh, getting staff. We also have a situation where, you know, in a lot of places, you know, summertime employment is, is, is really key for restaurants. And as they go into the fall, as the weather starts to get cooler, there's a lot of business restaurants that were doing outdoor seating that now have to drive just back into their establishments. And is there going to be, you know, this continued sort of feeling that I can only put 50% of the, the capacity into a restaurant? And what does that do to my staffing needs? So it's, you know, it's it's a lot of unknowns right now, and, and that's one of the reasons why we saw when we asked them, you know, when do you think your monthly revenue will return to pre-COVID levels um, in just one month's time, that, um, that sort of approximation of when they thought they were going to get there shifted out a complete quarter uh, in terms of when they thought it was going to happen. Um, so, you know, a full three-month shift in one month is pretty significant. This report also reflects uh, that 47% of small businesses, and I assume that's a national average, fear Mm -hmm. uh, that there will be new government shutdowns this fall because of the Delta variant, because, you know, it's... summertime is is a bit of a respite from this kind of a virus and if it starts surging again this fall like you just suggested schools start closing again is that at the heart of of why these businesses uh, are are concerned that there might be new government shutdowns um it's a significant concern because again it's one of those things that they can't really control um, you know, they can control the inventory. They can control the the spending that they have for employees. Um, you know, the hours that they're open. But what they can't control is what the government does, and that really adds a you know a big unknown to what is this fall going to look like. And so, yeah, that's one. You know, when that concern shot up, it really um, caught our attention, um, and it jumped in a month from June to July. It almost doubled. What what do you expect? Um, is is anybody able to speculate on what fourth quarter sales are going to be like? Is um, is this going to be another online Christmas? Um, 
it's certainly feeling like there's that's going to be a big element um the there's two factors in that one right it's their ability to be open but also it's their ability to get access to inventory um and uh you know it's just listening to a uh, a radio uh, show yesterday where they were talking about how a lot of businesses are just trying to get their hands on whatever inventory they can. Um, you know, it used to be that they would go and specifically pick, oh, I want this product and that product, and now it's sort of like, what do you have that I can sell? Um, and so, you know, it's already at that point, and, you know, we're not even out of September yet, and that usually starts to happen towards the end of this month and into October. So we'll, we'll run that survey again um, in early October to get a feeling for how they're building up on their inventory. But right now, um, it's nice to say that it's, you know, they're, you know, this is an optimistic bunch. I think they're conservatively optimistic about, uh, cautiously optimistic, I guess, um, towards the, the third and fourth quarter. Um, but, you know, this, this big you know, unknown of the, the Delta variant is clearly hanging over their heads. Is this um, problem with inventory uh, a problem with, with manufacturing, the, the goods aren't being made, or is it a delivery problem? Um, I think it's a bit of both. I think you have manufacturing um, that's still trying to catch up. It depends on what products you're, you're, you're talking about because you know, anything that, um, we've heard this a lot, anything that involves any kind of chip, um, there's a supply issue um, for other things. You know, it's the ability to to you know, gets ordered, it gets produced, and then it's you know the shipping and the delivery of it. And um, you know, I've been talking to retailers who say, you know, I placed an order last October, and I still don't even know if it's going to be here before the end of this year. Um, and they just they have no visibility in terms of when their product is actually going to be delivered to them. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I, I, I'm noticing, just in grocery stores, for example, shelves are not are not full. Mm-hmm. And that's going on in in all kinds of retail as well. I assume. Absolutely. Yep. And um, you know the the businesses that are in the personal services like beauty salons can get so far you know but they still depend on inventory of you know shampoos and things that they need to do um uh provide the services that they have um you know certain things like gyms clearly have a better chance of you know because they've got their equipment and then it's you know can i just get the the cleaners and the things that I need, but, you know, certainly businesses that are in retail and restaurants, which are some of the most heavily hit by COVID are struggling the most to get access to the things that they need to sell. Do you have any sense for how many businesses um, were morphed into home businesses as a result of the pandemic and, and uh, quarantines and so on? How many people, you know, maybe ditch their storefront for an online or a delivery operation that they were running from their their home and a, a storage facility. Uh, we don't know that specifically, but what we do know is that a lot of the the businesses that were uh, in retail um, have added online components that never had them before. 
Um, and we looked at that last fall. I can't remember offhand what the, the percentage was, but um, a fairly significant percentage of businesses that were traditional retail had, if they didn't have an online presence, um, you know, now had one, whether it was for just online ordering and pickup or a complete online um, solution. Now, I mentioned this uh, August State of Small Business uh, report that is out now um, based on a survey of, uh, well, just under 5,300 small business owners um, surveyed mm-hmm. between uh, July 31st and August 9th. And I mentioned 47% of them uh, fear new government shutdowns. But is there as much uh, variance from industry to industry about that concern that they'll be shut down again um, as as there was uh, with uh, labor shortage numbers, for example? Um, well, the the businesses that were you know, feeling the labor shortage were also the ones where you saw a lot of personal interaction. So, you know, the restaurants, the retail uh, beauty salons. So there's a pretty decent correlation between the businesses that concerned about uh, labor that were concerned about shutdown. Um, there's you know, there's a big sector of small businesses that are solopreneurs um, that uh, you know they can provide services out of a home-based business. Um, and you know, so there's there's a piece of the small business economy that can continue to operate. But interestingly, a lot of those businesses, um, their foundation uh, in terms of where their uh, business opportunities come from is this Main Street retail, personal services, um, all of those segments feed into the local accountant, the local lawyer, um, the you know the local website designer, and so it's a very connected uh, community. And so when that core suffers, everybody else around them does suffer as well. Now we talked a little bit about businesses that that fear uh, government shutdowns uh, coming up later this year, and we talked about the uh, the current state of of labor shortages. But what other kinds of things did you look at in this report? Well, this one we dove actually into a little bit of the question about vaccine status and, you know, with this challenge of hiring employees. And one of the things that we found was that, you know, uh, the vast majority, over 70% of small businesses would love to be able to ask a prospective employee their vaccine status, um, both from the standpoint of keeping their existing team healthy, but also in terms of being customer-facing. And you know, 61% of businesses said that they were significantly more likely to want to hire someone who was vaccinated. So, you know, I think small business owners get the importance of vaccines um, to their ongoing business success. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things I think, you know, we just have to take into account is that, you know, the answer to this is really getting through this process and getting past COVID, and the only real way to get there is through vaccinations. Were you a little bit surprised by that? Because I I would expect a lot of uh, business owners, big and small, to be sort of reluctant to take on the job of of policing vaccination. 
<laughs> yeah, that's one of the beautiful things about a you know a, a confidential survey is you actually get how they feel. Um, <laughs> you know, there's but there's been a lot of blowback on business owners who have taken a stance about vaccines or face covering. You know, and things people don't realize is you know they're trying to keep their employees and they're trying to keep their employees safe and wanting to come to work. And, you know, there's a, a very, you know, I think it's a very vocal minority of folks that just, you know, go after these businesses relentlessly. It's like a, you know, a first grade bully in the, in the, out at recess. And, you know, they're damaging these small businesses. And, you know, it's about time people stood up to these folks and said, look, you know, we're doing what's best for our economy. We're doing best for our community. And if you don't like it, go somewhere else. Um, but, you know. That's my personal opinion. <laughs> were, the, were there other surprises, Eric, in the uh, in the survey? Um, you know, those were the big ones. We're really looking forward to this this current quarters to get a better feeling for, um, you know, are these concerns actually starting to hit like the revenue and the customers coming back? We'd seen sort of some nice improvements month over month in that, and the, and their forecast was for those improvements to start to peter out this current month um so we're going to be you know we just pulled the data um yesterday so we're we're going to start diving into that to see if we've actually started to see the revenues and the customers coming back starting to flatten down and if so that would be really concerning so stay tuned until next month and we'll uh we'll update you again my uh guest is eric gross he is a uh, founder and ceo of alignable.com and uh, we've been talking about the uh, August State of Small Business Report, which uh, has been out for a little bit now. And, uh, Eric, as you know, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. I, I imagine you're going to say Alignable is a good first place to look. Absolutely. Well, you know, look, if you're a small business owner, the big challenge is, always is uh, stem from being alone, right? And the beautiful thing of being part of a community and Alignable is a free community for them to join and, and collaborate and, and build r- new relationships. And with a membership that crosses across North America um, with 7 million business owners, there's literally someone for everyone to find a new friend to help them drive greater business success. Uh, we've had, you know, fabulous sort of uh, groups formed of, uh, you know, florists across the country helping each other get through COVID. Um, So it's a wonderful community, and, you know, we just encourage any small business owner that wants to be a part of that to come check it out, learn more, and uh, be part of the community. Well, Eric, it was great talking with you again, and and I hope uh, when you do, uh, when you come out with the next survey, if there are some big changes, we'll get together and, and talk some more. Sounds good. I look forward to it. Always wonderful to chat with you. All right. Take care, Eric. Keep up the good work. Take care. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. That was Eric Groves, founder and CEO of Alignable.com, talking about their August State of Small Business report. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. From the Tom Sumner Oh, yeah.
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I was uh, I was watching television, and it was a John Wayne War movie. I guess they're all John Wayne War movies. Do you ever think how close we came to losing the war if he hadn't been with us? <laughs> but. Uh, I, I don't want to tell you the plot of the thing because I hate people to do that, but uh, we win it, you see. Now, my problem is that uh, I want to start talking about airplanes right now, and there is no logical way to get out of what I was talking about and talking about airplanes. <laughs> and you should always tie things in together. So I will try this. In the war movies, they always had that one shot of the dogfight with the airplanes. Speaking of airplanes, <laughs> I recently flew out from uh, Chicago, and I, uh, I don't enjoy flying at all. Uh, I'm one of those ones, first of all, who gets on stoned, you know, <laughs> right away. <laughs> Secondly, I usually sit in the lounge, and I whimper all through the flight. <laughs> And I, I look out the window and I turn to the guy who's sitting next to me and I'll say, this flying is really amazing. I said, the people, they look like ants down there. And he'll say, those are ants, you idiot. We haven't taken off yet, you know. <laughs> but anyway, there's a, there's a logical explanation for why I don't fly. I took a non-scheduled airline one time. I was in the Army and I wanted to go to Hawaii on a three-day pass. I... <laughs> But I didn't have a lot of money, and they were running ads at the time. Uh, and one ad read, take a chance <laughs> on the Mrs. Grace L. Ferguson Airline and Storm Door Company, see? <laughs> so <laughs> it gave an address, and I went out to this address, and it was this woman's home. <laughs> and she had a little counter set up in her living room. and. Uh, we had to go up to the John to weigh our baggage, I remember. <laughs> and <laughs> then we all got in her Volkswagen and she drove us out to the airport. <laughs> we got aboard this DC-1. <laughs> After we were out about two hours, a captain came out. He gave one of those addresses they all give. And I'll never forget it, and this is why I don't fly anymore. It came out like this. You're the navigator, you ought to be able to figure out where the hell we are. <laughs> uh, good evening. I'd, uh, I'd like to welcome you aboard the Mrs. Grace L. Ferguson Airline and Storm Door Company. Uh, I don't know how much you know about our airlines. We've, uh, we've only been in business uh, about a week. Uh, our airline was uh, founded on the philosophy that what the American public was really looking for was a low-cost overseas transportation. Uh, we have attempted to eliminate what we call in the airline business uh, frills and extras, like uh, maintenance and, uh, <laughs> and 
radar and a whole bunch of, uh, of, uh, of technical instruments up in the... Um, Wait, have, have you ever had one that hangs on for about four or five days? I don't, I don't mind the headaches too much, but it's that damn double vision that just... Oh, uh, incidentally, I want to apologize for uh, your having to stand all the way. Uh, if I can give you a little tip there, every uh, oh, half hour or so, you want to alternate your arms through those uh, straps above your head. Uh, you, f you folks flying tourists, you don't have any straps. <laughs> so uh, don't, uh, don't bother looking for them. Well, uh, we're going to have a little drill in a few moments uh, <laughs> by our, our two stewardesses, Trixie and Bubbles. Well, I'm sorry, Miss Watson and Miss Savage. And uh, they'll show you how to put your life jackets on. Uh, there really isn't that much to it, but a lot of people uh, get them on backwards. And, uh, well, that way you're going to wind up with your face in the water. <laughs> Uh, if we should have to ditch, you'll, you'll receive plenty of warning uh, because our co-pilot becomes hysterical. <laughs> and he'll, he'll start uh, running up and down the aisles uh, yelling, uh, you know, we're going to crash or, or something like that. Uh, actually, he gets, he gets kind of panicky, and it, it isn't always too easy to understand him. Uh, at least it hasn't been in the past, anyway. <laughs> so, if, if you see him running up and down the aisles, uh, and you can't make out what he's saying, uh, you, might, you might slip into your life jackets to <laughs> be on the safe side. Uh, I'd like to answer some questions that you may have uh, about the airline. It's uh, the woman right here. Ma'am, ma if I may, I'll repeat the question so everyone uh, can hear it. it. If we should ditch, how long would the plane remain afloat? Is, is that the, was that your question, ma'am? Uh, <laughs> golly, that's, that's awful hard to say, ma'am. <laughs> Uh, some of them go down like a rock, you know? <laughs> and then, I don't know, for some reason or other, others will stay up for, oh, two, three minutes. It's, uh... <laughs> Sir, if I may, I'll get your question next. I want to get the gentleman's way in the back there. Sir, could you kind of speak up a little bit? I can't hear you over the roar of our engines. Maybe, you know, if you just... Oh, wait, they stopped now, sir. <laughs> Harry, the engines went out again. It's uh, the third button on the left, I think, here. Hold, hold it, Harry. The cabin lights are going out. Uh... Uh, try the third button on the right. 
That's got him. That's got him. You want, you want to try that question again, sir? Sir, I'm sorry. I still can't make out what you're saying. Oh, well, sure. All right. All right. You can try it that way. It may work. First word. So, sounds like running. Sounds like racing. Track and field. Ran. Oh, it sounds like ran. Uh, man. A lot of man. A whole bunch of men. Men? Oh, men! Men, it's right behind you there, sir. I'm, I'm glad I took your question ahead of this gentleman's over here. Uh, I really have to get back in the cabin now. We, uh, we have it on automatic pilot, but uh, well, the damn thing keeps kicking in and out all the time, and uh, <laughs> we never really know if it's on or not. Oh, uh, one, of the, one of the reasons I came out here, I nearly forgot. Uh, have, have any of you ever, ever been to Hawaii before? This a gentleman, gentleman right here? It's, uh, it's kind of liver-shaped, isn't it, sir? Sir, as, as we're coming in, uh, would you mind very much uh, stopping by the cabin and kind of <laughs> pointing it out to us? We sure appreciate it. Thank you very much. I hope you have a very pleasant trip. Thank you. Thank you. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 